You're here. <laughs> Look at the person next to you and tell them you made it. You made it. Yams, jams, tomatoes, potatoes. You made it. So if you're here for the first time and you're wondering why we're so happy, it's because we love Jesus. Amen. And uh, I've been waiting for this weekend for a long time. And we have been preparing our house here for this conference for a good six months. And so um, we've already had three days of fasting and prayer this week. Out here every night. Two hours just pressing in. And um, coming into the weekend, we're going to be here tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, and then Sunday morning. And I'm expecting that the Lord is going to speak to you this weekend. Can you say amen? amen? Are you expecting the Lord to speak to you? Yeah. Well, look at the person next to you and use your faith and tell him, I'm expecting the Lord to speak to me this weekend. Say, I'm expecting... The Lord to speak to you this weekend. Say, so we're never going to be the same. Because one word out of the mouth of God will transform your life forever. When God speaks, He creates. And I'm telling you right now, there's nothing that can stop the Word of God. Not the living Word. Everything bows to the living Word of God. And living word is going to penetrate your hearts this weekend. And it's not just this weekend. Look at somebody and tell them it's not just tonight and tomorrow and Sunday. You're entering a season where wisdom will be poured out on a regular basis. Say it's progressive. It unfolds, and it flows like a river. Amen? And so that's what's here this weekend. Now, we're not receiving an offering tonight or tomorrow morning. We're only receiving one offering for the conference tomorrow evening. And we've already prepared our congregation here, who's been prepared for at least six months. And I told you, get an offering ready. Ask the Lord what it is that... He wants you to give what He wants you to sow. Even if it's a faith offering or a, an offering, you, it's bigger than what you have. If the Lord said, sow it, that He would get the seed in your hand. And I know there's been several people that said, what the Lord has asked me to give, I don't have it. But I know that over the last few months, the Lord has been providing the seed for them to sow. Amen. And so tomorrow evening, we're coming expecting and we're going to be sowing our offering. Amen. And so I'm excited about that because all of heaven is going to open in here tomorrow night. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whoop, whoop. So uh, let me get my notes here. I said this last night. I said, if the Lord doesn't build the house, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. Amen. The Lord has to do it, and I'm expecting Him to do it. Hallelujah. 
So um, this weekend is um, the Jewish New Year. This week and this coming into the weekend, uh, the, the Jewish people, they celebrate their New Year. They celebrate Rosh Hashanah, and then they have 10 days of awe, and they celebrate the creation and the creation of man. And then they end the 10 days with the Day of Atonement. And so, you know, we were grafted in to the Jewish family. We were grafted in. Abraham is the father of our faith. Amen. And um, we don't follow the Jewish feasts and festivals. But what I've come to notice over 15 years of just doing this in this ministry is that the Lord always talks to me around the Jewish New Year, around September the Lord is always sharing with me revelation and information about what's coming in the following year. And this year I decided that I wanted you to tap into uh, what the Lord has for you for next year. I didn't want to be selfish and say, I'm just keeping it for myself and I'm, I'll just tell him what the Lord is saying. No, the Lord wants to speak to you personally. The Lord has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. The Lord has got good works that He's prepared for us. And each and every one of us need to hear from the Lord ourselves. You know, it's not, it's not good enough to just hear it through a man. You've got to hear it from Him, the man, Jesus Himself. And so, the year that the, that the Jewish people are celebrating is year... We, we celebrate 2023. They're celebrating year 5784. So 2023 is based on the Gregorian calendar, which starts when Jesus was born 2,023 years ago. But the Jewish calendar goes back to creation, to the creation of man. And they're at 5,784 years, Right? And so, in, in the Jewish uh, alphabet, every letter ties to a number, right? You know, number one and the letter A connect, right? And then they have like a little pictogram for each one of their letters that even takes it into a deeper meaning. And we're not going to get into all of it tonight, but I'm just giving you like a little highlight, and the numbers 5784 have specific meaning. And so the number 5 it represents grace. Look at somebody and say there's grace. The number 7 represents completion. The number 8 represents new beginnings. And I don't know what the number 4 represents right now off the top of my head. We'll get there. The number 80, look at the person next to you say the number 80 represents pay, which is the mouth. Look at somebody and say the mouth. Say so we're in the decade of the mouth. The 70s that represents ayin, which is the eye, the last 10 years was seeing. This 10 years is about the mouth. And what is interesting, when 2020 rolled around and the decade of the mouth came about, suddenly a plague arrived on planet Earth that wanted to shut the mouths of people. You see, the mouth speaks and the mouth, there is breath. 
But we were told to wear masks, to stop the breath and to stop the mouth. The enemy does not want you to understand the power that is in your words, especially in this decade, to speak out and declare what God is saying. And if you can ever tap into the wisdom of God for your life and begin to speak it out of your mouth, then the things that God has given you, you will begin to create in your life. Look at the person next to you and tell him, whenever God speaks to you, he's preparing you to enter into something that currently doesn't exist in your life. The Word of God will always speak of something that is not in your life. It is something that you're going to enter into. And there's some brand new things that the Lord wants to do in your life. Who's ready for the new? Look at the person next to you and tell them, if you're ready for the new, you've got to let go of the old. You can't enter the new holding on to the old. You can't live in the old and the new. You've got to decide where you're pitching your tent. And so I have this book that um, my spiritual mom told me to get. And it actually has the whole alphabet, the whole Jewish alphabet. And, and I've been reading it. And I'm kind of wrapping my brain around it. But I'm going to get to the number four in a second. Maybe we'll go there right now. Say the number four. So that is the symbol that is used for the number four in the alphabet. And it's the doorway into a tent. Look at somebody and say, it's a door. It's a door. It's a a pathway. It's a gate. It's a portal. It's the dimension. It, It opens a dimension of dreams and visions. And is always listening for the supply of heaven. And so God is opening a brand new door for you. Look at somebody and say, God is opening a brand new door for you. Now, a year ago, I had that encounter. A year ago. This was actually May last year that I had that encounter. But the Lord didn't give me the revelation on that encounter. It has been brewing on the inside of me for over a year. And then as we're preparing for the conference, it all kind of clicks together. The Lord gave me a key that opened a brand new door where I walked into a building and discovered there was books of wisdom from the floor to the ceiling. And in this encounter, what I realized was there's this place that you can go where you can sit and wait for the Lord to show you things on the screen of your imagination about the wisdom that He has for your life. Those books of the wisdom of God, those are your books. The scrolls that were written before the foundation of the world about your life. God has a book for every person in this place. Look at somebody and say, God wrote a book of life about you, and it has your name on it. That book, say that book has got God's good plans for you. And you're the only one who can access it. 
The prophetic can see glimpses of things in your book. They can confirm things that you've read in your book, but they don't know the whole book. And you have to decide that you want to read what God wrote about you. So that brings me to the letter A. This is really interesting. This blew my mind. And I was like, I got to share it with the people. You want to hear it? So this is the letter A, Aleph, or A. It is, a, it is the quiet strength and stillness of the inner core connecting heaven and earth. Look at somebody and say, when you're connected to heaven, there is a silence, there is a stillness, and there's an inner strength on the inside of you. When you're connected to God's plan for you in heaven, you're strong on the inside. There's a quietness about you. You're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off, wondering what your life's about and where you're going and what you're doing. You are just in this rest because you know what God has for you. And it says here, the letter A, Aleph, is used as a prefix in verbs. Now, this is for all them scholars. Man, my English wasn't very good, but I'm learning things. It is used as a prefix in verbs to mean I will. Look at somebody and say, I will. I will. The inner core of our will needs to connect to heaven. And the person who wrote this book said, This became a revelation to me when I was looking at a phrase that originated in Hebrew. The first word, and now my Hebrew isn't good, so excuse me, say Abara. So the letter A, Aleph, which means I will. Bara is the word for create. Everybody say create. So Abara would be I will Create. Look at somebody and say, I will create. The word bara means create. And has anybody ever heard of this word, abracadabra? The word abracadabra is used in a spell or in magic to try and get words to produce something. Is that true? Well, I'm about to tell you where abracadabra comes from. Are you ready? The phrase kadavara, which is as was spoken. Look at the person next to you say as was spoken. So this is the root word, you know, davara comes from speak or spoken. And it's the phrase when it's put together, a bara kadavara, abracadabra, comes from the Jewish language, a bara da kavara, which means, which means I will create as it was spoken. In other words, I will align my will with God's will to create what He has spoken into my scroll. 
God has written a scroll for each one of us. And when we accept His will for our lives and decide to create what He has spoken concerning us, His glory shines through us. This is a good book, by the way. So many of us are trying to get things to manifest in our lives. People use the power of positive confession, but it's not rooted in the Word of God. People read self-help books. People go visit psychics. People read their tarot cards. And when you're in that flow of things, you even run to every Chinese restaurant so you can get a fortune cookie. Anytime a prophet is in town, you're ready to run to that meeting because you want to hear a word from God. Well, I'm here to tell you the days of running after psychics and prophets and going to Chinese restaurants to get fortune cookies. The days of you trying to create things with the power of positive confession are over. Because you're going to tap into the scroll that was written about you before the foundation of the world. And you're going to choose to create in your life what God has already spoken over you. And when you bring your life in alignment with the spoken word of God, you're going to see the glory of God shine through you. The goodness of God. The life of God. And every spiritual blessing, everything that you need to fulfill who God has spoken you into existence to be, will be provided. Everything that you need, it will be there. And you will become a shining light and people will look at you and wonder, how is it that your life is so good? And you can say, abracadabra, baby. We got a new t-shirt, abracadabra. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're going to get drunk this weekend, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so just go around saying abracadabra. Say this, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Do it in me. Do it through me, Lord. And so, um, sin is bad. Look at the person next to you and tell him, sin is bad. Not sin bad. <laughs> Sinbad the sailor. <laughs> Abracadabra. <laughs> I think that's part of that same movie, I think. So the reason sin is bad is, number one, you feel guilty when you sin. Is that true? I mean, you enjoy sinning while you're doing it, but then afterwards, you first there's the check. There's that check in you that says you shouldn't do this. And you're like, you know you shouldn't do it, but then you don't listen because your flesh wants what it wants. And then you override the spirit and you say no to your spirit and you say yes to the flesh. 
And when you say yes to the flesh and you have tasted of the sin, it's good while you're tasting it. But at the end of it, it's like bites you like a poison. And then the devil suddenly appears on your shoulder and he starts just putting a guilt trip on you. And then you feel so bad on the inside, you start beating yourself up. You get this down look on your face. And life just becomes miserable. This dark cloud rolls in and, and you can get stuck in that place. You can get stuck under that cloud. You can get under there for a week, two weeks. You can be under that cloud for six months, a year or longer. And we got to come out from under the cloud. Can you say amen? We're going to come out of that feeling of feeling guilty, feeling condemned, feeling like we're worthless and the lies of the enemy. And we got to get clean from that stuff. Amen. Amen. And so that's one reason. Guilt, condemnation. You feel like you should be punished. And you stop believing the worst for yourself. You stop rejecting the good things God has for you. You shut off to the good things of God. And you start opening up to the punishment and the persecution, not the persecution, the punishment and the pain and the disaster and all the devil wants to throw on your life. And you think you deserve it because you feel like a sinner. But I think the worst thing about sin, look at the person next to you and tell them number three, the worst thing about sin, more than the guilt and the condemnation is that sin steals your time. What sin does is it gets you caught up in nonsense that doesn't produce anything in your life. Sin is a thief. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that anything that is not of faith is sin. Look at somebody and say, anything that is not of faith is sin. You can find that in Romans 14, 23. So anything that is not of faith is sin. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you are, when you are in a sin, sinful lifestyle, you're, you're in a pattern of destruction You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel condemned. You're not going to be expecting any blessing from the Lord. But thirdly, it's stealing your time and you are wasting year upon year upon year doing stuff that's not producing anything in your life. Not in this life and not for eternity. Amen. And so we have to make a decision that we're no longer going to live in sin. We're not going to live idle lives. We're not going to live in death. Look at the person next to you and tell them you're not going to live in sin. Say you're coming out of it. Say the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to set you free from the law of sin and death. Say I'm coming up out of living in sin under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Say I'm going to have life and life more abundantly. That's what this year holds for you. A year of abundant life. Say, that's my year. 
But if we're going to live in what God has for us, the wisdom of God, we have to find the foundation for wisdom. Open your Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to be spending some time in Proverbs tomorrow morning, definitely. But Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Who wants the wisdom of God for your life? Wisdom of God doesn't start until you fear the Lord. Say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the spirit of wisdom and understanding. When you fear the Lord and you know God, that is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. Look at the person next to you and tell them you're not going to tap the wisdom of God until you lay the foundation of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, say fools, despise wisdom and discipline. So it's not just wisdom. There's a discipline that has to come to your life. And only a fool... Say, only a fool despises wisdom and discipline. If we're going to tap into the wisdom of God, we have to fear the Lord, but we have to choose to live disciplined lives. We have to live according to the word of the Lord. That means we have to walk away from sin. We have to walk away from that other life. And we've got to start walking in the life of God, but there is a price to pay. Look at somebody in the eyeballs and tell them there is a price to pay. And that price is not money. Money cannot buy this. The price to pay is your lifestyle. The price to pay is the choices you make in your heart that you're going to obey God. That's the price. The price is putting the flesh on the altar. The desires of the flesh that do not line up with the will of God. You've got to take those things and you've got to lay them down and say no to them. And if you don't say no to them, you cannot have what God has for you. Say, I've got to come out of the old so I can get into the new. Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. So there's a direct connection to you growing in wisdom with you choosing to obey the commands of God. Go to the book of Job. Somebody would say, get a job. Job 28, people know where to mine silver, and they know how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth, and they know how to smelt copper from the rock. They know how to shine light in darkness and explore the furthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth far away from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes and swing back and forth. 
Food is grown on the earth above, but down below the earth is melted as by fire. Here the rocks contain precious, I don't know what that stuff is, lapis, luzi, it's, it's a gem. And the dust contains gold. These are treasures no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observes. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has ever set their paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and they uncover precious stones. The, they dam up trickling streams. They bring to light the hidden treasures. But, look at somebody and say, but. Say, people can do all kinds of things. But, do people know where to find wisdom? Where do you find this stuff? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it. For it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It is worth more than all the gold of Ophir. Greater than any precious onyx or lapis lazulubla. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It is worth more than the purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say we've heard only rumors of where wisdom can be found. God alone understands the way to wisdom. You can pull your back out on that one. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the wind should blow and how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and he laid out the path for the lightning. Put your lightning rods in the air. Uh, some people haven't got their lightning rods in the air. Right hand to the sky with a pointy finger. As high as you can. Lightning rods are not like this. Lightning rods are all the way up. Father, I thank you. Our lightning rods are out this weekend. We're ready to catch the lightning of heaven. Father, let, let 18 million strikes happen in this building this weekend. In the mighty name of Jesus, put your lightning rods down. Then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. 
He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. So God, it's like he picked it up. He looked at wisdom. He was like, oh, that's cool. Verse 28, and this is what he says to all humanity. Say, this is to me. Are you part of humanity? All right, this is what the Lord says to you. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. And to forsake evil is real understanding. That's powerful. That's in your Bible. You know, when I had that encounter with the Lord, it blew me away. I've never had an encounter like that before. I mean, I've had visions. I've had encounters with the Lord. But that shook me in a way I've never had anything like that happen to me. I mean, I, I felt like I was really there. I walked into this I didn't even walk in the building. Like this key appeared in front of me. It went into the door. It was this very intricate lock. There was no other way into this building. Look at the person next to you. Say Isaiah 22, 22. Read it off somebody's shirt because it's on your shirt. What does it say? What does it say? When he opens the door, no one can close them. And when he closes the doors, no one can open them. Jesus has the key of David. Say he's got the key of David. He has the keys to the kingdom. He has the keys to the Father's house. The Bible says that Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Him. Say Jesus is the doorway. He's the door into the Father's house. Huh. But it's also the door for the Father to come into your house. See, many of us are ready to go to heaven, but I'm telling you, God wants to open a door so He can love big on the inside of you. We're so ready. Yeah, take me to heaven, Jesus. Take me to heaven. And God says, no, I want to come live big on the inside of you. Open up the door. Open up the ancient gates and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty, invincible in battle. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the king of glory. And when you find the book that was written about you and you align yourself with the book, the King of Glory enters in. And then He walks in you. He talks through you. He lays hands through you. He gives money through you. He blesses through you. He builds things in the earth through you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody's ready to escape earth. I'm just waiting for the rapture. Jesus, come quickly. And God is saying, if you understood that you're my kid... And the same power I have, you can have. 
And the way man walked in the garden in dominion, you can walk in dominion. Then you don't need to leave earth. You don't have to worry about COVID-19 or COVID-24. Or the bird flu or the swine flu or any flu. Jesus was healing diseases, leprosy, flesh-eating disease, curing it and putting body parts back. Say, I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. (laughs) Say, I'm not afraid of the liar. Say, I ain't afraid of that 666. (laughs) And I ain't afraid of the fire. Amen. We're not going to hell. We're children of the Most High God. And we have the fire of the Holy Ghost. We've got the fire of God burning on the inside of us. And it doesn't matter what gets in the way, the fire burns through it. It's consuming fire. And when it gets in your bones, (laughs) it gets in your bones. Father, let some fire get into our bones tonight. Isn't my word like a fire? Father, when you speak, let your word go into the bones. You say, can that even happen? Oh, yeah. Say this. Say the word of the Lord is active and alive. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing between soul and spirit. Joint and marrow. Where is the marrow? In the bones. The Word of God will get in your bones. It's like fire. Shut up in your bones. When the Word of God gets in you, it goes into the bones. It goes into the very innermost thoughts and intentions of the heart. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We're ready for you, God. We're ready for that door to be opened. Say, the door is open. Grab your key. Say, I got the key to the door. Say, and that's Jesus. I feel lightning's about to strike. (laughs) Let me tell you about my encounter with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This was in South Africa in 1998. I had had given my heart to Jesus when I was 16 years old. I grew up in a Catholic church. At 16 years old, my mother and my older brother decided I needed Jesus, so they sent me to a Jesus meeting. I did not want to be there. Anybody ever taken to a Jesus meeting? I did not want to be there. Uh, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And in that meeting that night, I heard a man say that he knows Jesus personally and he wanted to introduce me to Jesus. And when he started talking like that, 
Jesus began to knock on the door of my heart. My heart was beating like hard. On the, I've never felt my heart beat like that before. But it was beating from the inside like, little pig, little pig, let me in, you know. It's beating like that on the inside of me. And I had to decide, was I going to let him in or not? My wife was saying it up here earlier. She said, he's going to knock on the door of your heart. Are you going to let him in? Are you going to open the door? And I was embarrassed. (laughs) I was embarrassed. My brothers were there, man. I didn't want them to know that I was going to get Jesus. That's why they brought me there. I wasn't given the joy of getting that pleasure. Oh, no. But I knew I had to let him in. And I let him in. It was the greatest decision I'd ever made. But I had to get over my pride. And I had to deal with the spirit that was controlling my mind. Look at the person next to you and say, you got to deal with a spirit that's controlling your mind. And when that spirit grabs hold of your thinking, it doesn't want to let go. It builds a stronghold and it says, if you put your hand up and you'll accept Jesus, people are going to think less of you. You're going to be one of those happy, clappy Bible And then suddenly you identify with those weird ladies that are running with tambourines in the church and crazy people. And in your mind, you're like, I don't want to associate with anything of this stuff. But the spirit holds your mind and it wants, doesn't want you to surrender to the Lord. And you have to make a decision. You don't care what thoughts are running through your head. You've got to run to God with everything that you've got. And man, I tell you. I got touched that night. I got set free that night. The power of God hit me like I never experienced. That was the night I discovered that God was real. When you let him in, he comes in and you realize God is real. And I went back to my hometown, back to my traditional little town. And I started, people could see there was a difference in my face. People looked at me and they said, what happened to you? I'm like, what do you mean what happened to me? Something's different. Your eyes are shining. Your face is glowing. And, you know, you say, well, I had an encounter with Jesus. And the power of God hit me on the floor and I was crying. And then I rolled over and I was, and then you can just see their faces like, this guy needs an asylum. And I try to explain to people what happened to me. I was still trying to figure it out myself. Nobody could explain to me what happened to me. And then after a while, you just give up like, these people don't get it. I don't even get it. And when you surround yourself with religion and tradition, it'll squash, it'll take the life of God out of you. And so... I had this wonderful encounter with the Lord. I didn't know what to do with it. Nobody discipled me. Nobody could explain it to me. And so I just let that fire die. And I just went about my business. And listen, living in the flesh, that sin life will take you places you don't want to go. It'll make you pay stuff you don't want to pay. And at the end of the day, it comes knocking on the door and the spirit of death comes to take your life. And I had... Very near-death experiences a couple of times. 
But listen, look at the person next to you and tell them, listen. When the blood of Jesus gets put on the door of your heart, death cannot enter because you have been marked for God and the plans and purposes of God will be fulfilled in your life. There is nothing that death or the grave can do to stop what Jesus wants to do in you and through your life. Oh, and did hell come and try and take me out? He can't touch this. I got the hammer time, baby. Whoa, whoa. Come do it, baby. I ain't doing it. I don't know how to do that. That wasn't part of my moves. And so after living several years in sin, and I, lost, I came to the place where I lost everything, all my money, the fiance, the friends, the apartment, the clothing. <laughs> that abracadabra thing's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> 23 years old, I made a vow because my dad and I didn't get along very, very much. And he was always throwing money in my face, telling me I was nothing without him. I was only popular because of him, all that stuff. <laughs> and my dad and I, we didn't see eye to eye at all. We were both stubborn, <laughs> stubborn idiots, both of us. I think that's a word for some of your sons and fathers in here. Don't do it. And so I made a vow. I said, I said I was going to become a millionaire by 23. And I was going to go home to my father when I was 23 years old and shove it in his face and tell him, I don't need you or your money. That was my attitude. Look at the person next to you say, bad attitude. But when you're bitter with your parents, you've got all this bitterness towards them. You need to get that out of you. Look at the person next to you and say, the fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. You'll, and you'll have a long, satisfying life. If you don't honor them and you have bitterness and judgment and you're cursing them, your life is going to end short. And my life almost ended if it were not for the grace of God. By my 23rd birthday, I would be six foot under. And on my 23rd birthday with nothing, just my life, I was at a crossroads in my life where I realized that the only thing that was real was that encounter I had with God when I was 16 years old. And that was the day that I made the decision that I was giving God my life. It wasn't part-time. It wasn't Sunday. It was my entire life. No longer I who live, but Christ is going to live in me. And I prayed a simple prayer, but I meant it. I said, God, I've screwed my life up. And if there's anything you can do with my life, you can have it. That was the prayer I prayed. I didn't even say in Jesus' name. I was talking to the Lord. I made a statement. I made a decision. And I went home. I apologized to my parents. 
<laughs> Look at the person next to you and say, repentance includes apology. If you hurt people, you need to go fix that. Can you say amen? amen? And if there's some stuff you broke, you need to go fix it. They'll get over it. They need to come apologize to me. You've got to humble yourself. And you've got to make a decision. I'm going low. I'm humbling myself. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to give my life to be a blessing. I'm going to let my life be pure. I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm going to become a servant of the Lord. And I'm available, my hands, my feet, my mouth. I'll go where He wants me to go. I'll say what He wants me to say. I'll do what He wants me to do. Not my will, but Your will be done in my life. Father, I want to tap into the scroll that You wrote about me before the foundation of the world, Lord God. I want, I will to create my life after what You have spoken so that Your glory can shine through me. And so 23 years old, I fully laid down my life, started serving the Lord, got baptized in water, and everything shifted in my life at that point. I ended up moving down to Cape Town, and in one year, and we'll talk about it more this weekend, but in one year, the Lord took me from a sinner, broken, and He empowered me, He equipped me, He raised me, He trained me, and He taught me, and He prepared me for my purpose. In one year. And my dream was to live in the United States of America. I wanted to live be between Orlando and Miami. It was the desire of my heart. And I tried to get to America. But it only happened when I surrendered. Look at the person next to you and tell him the dreams that God has in your heart. It will not be realized in your own strength. Say, not by my might, not by my power, not by my influence, not by my manipulation, intimidation, but by the Spirit of God. And God's not going to open His blessing and promises over your life until you fully surrender to Him. I can tell you that with 100% surety. Look at somebody and say, surrender. And so right before I left to come to America, the Lord spoke to me. And He said to me, I want you to get the youth leaders together. And I want you to wash their feet. Okay, Jesus. Sometimes the Lord will tell you to do strange stuff. It's like that, that one guy, Naaman. He had leprosy, I think. He went to the prophet, expecting him to come out and wave his hand over him, and abracadabra. But instead, the prophet doesn't come out. He sends his servant out and tells him, go wash seven times in this river. Was it the Jordan or where was it? I think it was the Jordan. And it was dirty. And the guy was offended by what he was told to do to get his breakthrough. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, wash their feet. I don't know why I got to wash their feet. And then he said, cook them a meal. So I, I was just obedient to the Lord. I said, yes, sir. Invited him over. I had the smelling water. 
with the aroma and, you know, you put all that stuff in there to make it smell good and get the soap and the towel and cook the meal. I had the youth leaders come over to the house. We ate good and then we put some VHS tapes on. Does anybody know what a VHS tape is? Everybody born in the last century knows what those things are. All, everybody else is looking at me like, what? And so we decided to watch a Catherine Coleman video. Listen, that was a little strange for me. I didn't mock it, but it was strange. You look up Catherine Coleman. I mean, she did mighty things for God. I mean, she was used powerfully by the Lord, but she was a little strange to me personally. And so I was like, hey, I don't know about that video. And so we took that one out and we put on a Rodney Howard Brown video. I mean, we're going from one extreme to another. And in this video that we watched with Pastor Rodney, who's my pastor, by the way, he was in Port Elizabeth. When sanctions were put against South Africa because of the, the apartheid laws, all the car companies pulled out of manufacturing in South Africa, and a whole region that just was thriving on the car industry shut down, and everybody went into poverty. And so Pastor Rodney went into that region to bring a breakthrough to that region. And in the meetings, the Spirit of God came in, and a spirit of giving broke out. Look at the person next to you and tell them the way you break out of poverty, a poverty mindset, and the grip of poverty is you give your way out. Because the last thing poverty wants you to do is give anything away. It holds you in fear that if you give it away, you'll have nothing and you'll die. And I break the spirit of death and poverty and the grip that it has on your mind. And I declare to you, you're tapping into the will of God for your life. You'll never, ever be broke another day. Every, the Lord is your shepherd. He will lead you and guide you. And He will give you everything that you need. I even prophesied to you that you're going to become a peaceful resting place. Peaceful. All your torment, all your fear, all your stress is leaving this weekend. Because when God shuts a door, that stuff cannot enter your life anymore. Can you say amen? amen? And so we watched this video. A spirit of giving broke out. And people piled the altar, the stage. I'm telling you, high. It was a massive stage. They piled it about this high after like four hours. People went home. Brought surfboards, brought kitchen appliances, they brought wardrobes, they brought food that was in their cars. The one guy had nothing left to give. He ran and put himself on the pile. But for about four hours, these guys just constantly just kept bringing stuff and giving. That's all that happened. People were just bringing stuff, bringing stuff. And it broke poverty off that region. And so we watched this video. We turned it off. It's exactly 11 o'clock at night. We got church the next morning. One of the young guys, shorter guys, named Brenton, he said, bye guys, I'm going home. He got up, he walked over to the door, he grabbed the door handle 
And the minute he put his hand on the door, the power of God picked him up and threw him into the kitchen. We just saw this guy scream. He went, ah! and he landed in the kitchen. And we're like, is he playing? Like, and then we're like, how did he fly so high through the air? And we're like looking like, what, what is it? Abracadabra. And while we were still wondering what on earth Brenton is doing, I saw a cloud, tangible cloud, blow through the wall into the room. And along with the cloud came the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Family, let me tell you something. Terror, extreme fear has got nothing on the feeling that I felt when that cloud rolled into the house. I was so afraid. I've never felt fear like that before. I've never felt terror like that before. I thought God had come to the... When the spirit of the fear of the Lord comes in, all of your sin gets exposed to you in an instant. And you feel like God has come to judge me and kill me. That's what it felt like. It is the most terrifying thing that I have ever experienced. I've seen some scary things. I'm from Africa. <laughs> and without even thinking, when that, you know, you know when, when somebody's so scared, or like a deer or a lizard or something, you scare it? it it's not thinking, it's just trying to get away. You know what I'm saying? It'll run into a wall, it'll trip, it'll fall, it'll hurt itself. Well, that's what happened to me. I wasn't thinking. I just dove. I just dove through the air and landed on the ground. And I leopard crawled past Brenton into the kitchen. I opened the kitchen sink and I climbed under the kitchen sink thinking that I could hide from the Lord. And for the next hour, <clears throat> we were in the glory of God. Uh, one of the, one of the, the fear kind of left. I don't know where the fear went to, but the glory of God settled into the house. And one of the young ladies, she just starts screaming at the top of her lungs. And she says, I see angels. I see angels. She said she saw angels all the way up the stairs in the house. And for one hour, we worshipped, we prophesied, we were tangibly in the presence of God for a whole hour. At exactly midnight, it all lifted. Like as quickly as it came, it disappeared and we were just like, what on earth just happened? The neighbors. <laughs> we discovered from the neighbors the following day. That some eeky weeky stuff was happening in our house. <laughs> eeky weeky stuff. So that's the word that we got. <laughs> but once you've experienced the fear of the Lord, you don't fear anything else anymore. It doesn't matter what anybody says, it doesn't matter what anybody does. I don't care. 
I'm not going to hell. I'm not facing the, the, the fear and the terror that I faced that day. And I've made a decision. I don't care what anybody says, what anybody does. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. If it costs me my life, that's fine. But I will obey the Lord with every fiber of my being. Can you say amen? And so family, we cannot live in the past. We cannot live in a past season. Yesterday while I was spending time praying with uh, my spiritual mom, the Lord showed me in a vision that we cannot rely on our education. We cannot rely on our skills. We cannot rely on our money. We cannot rely on our power of influence. We cannot rely on our gifts, talents, and abilities. We cannot put any of our trust in those things. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with graphic design when I was like 19, 20 years old. Uh, we had a nightclub, and I hired a guy to design me a flyer. Our club was called the Kick-Ass Tune Club. <laughs> it was epic. It's a tune, yeah. We're going to play the most kick-ass tunes. I still have the flyer. Back in 1997, that was epic. I'm just telling you right now. So anyway, back to my story. I sat with this guy and I watched him design this thing on a computer program. And then he printed it out and I was just blown away. I fell in love with graphic design. I started learning graphic design. I started doing graphic design. But there came a point where technology and new programs and people's skills surpassed me. And what I know about graphic design is nothing compared to what people can do with those programs nowadays. And what happens is there comes a point in your life where you are overtaken by advancement. And then what happens to your life? You get stuck in a time zone. And you feel like you can't do anything. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You don't know how to advance out of that place. And the Lord showed me yesterday in that encounter, and He said to me, if you will choose not to put your trust in all those other things, and you will choose to put your trust in Him, He will lead you and guide you with wisdom, and you'll always be on the cutting edge. You'll never lack. You'll never have a need. And you'll always be in time with what God has for you. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to encourage you. Money is here today. It might not be here tomorrow. You can't put your trust in anything other than the Lord. And so family, in order for us to move forward, the first thing that we have to do is we need to close some doors. We need to lay some things down. And I'm going to ask the ushers right now to hand out an index card to every person and a pen. And we're going to give you a moment here tonight to just write down on this card sin that you're getting rid of. Stuff that you, that's sin that's holding you back. They're like ropes that tie you and hold you back. Things that are causing you to waste your time. 
and you're saying, I'm done with this. Addictions, whatever it is, things that you know are wrong and you need to get rid of them, I want you to write them on this card. Things of the past, things that happened to you, things that were taken from you, things that went wrong in your life. People did things to hurt you and abuse you and use you and take advantage of you. Things of the old that you just feel like you're struggling to get rid of. I want you to write those things on the card tonight. Things that you are putting your trust in that are not the Lord. You're trusting in money. You're trusting in your skill. Whatever it is, I want you to write it on the card. And tonight, we're going to close some doors. We're going to get rid of the old. If there's people that you're judging, I had judgment in my heart towards my mom and my dad. And I needed to clean that out. If you have judgments towards spiritual leaders, maybe you've come from another church. Everybody's been in another church. Maybe you got hurt, gave up. And there's people you need to forgive and let go. Write them on the card. Your failures, your mistakes that are haunting you. We're going to get rid of those things tonight. We're going to put them behind us. We're putting them in the sea of forgetfulness. The Bible says that when the Lord forgives you your sin, He remembers it no more. He removes it as far as the west is from the east. It goes into the sea of forgetfulness. If you're Italian, you forget about it. If there is a sea of forgetfulness, then I want to throw some stuff in there and never remember it again. Maybe there's a circumstance in your life, a situation in your life that you can't break through. That's limiting you and holding you back. I want you to write that on the card. Any limitation you have, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, or if it's things in the natural that are a resistance to you. If you're struggling with your relationship with God, I'll go as far as to say you're even angry at God. You need to write that on the card. We need to let that go tonight. And then some of you in this place need to put your own name on the card because you have got a lot of self-judgment and self-hatred towards yourself. If you look in the mirror and all you see is stuff you don't like about you and your mind rolls with all kinds of opinions of how you don't like who you are and that self-hatred talk. The Bible says that we need to love others as we love ourselves. And if you can't see yourself in the mirror the way that God sees you and you have self-hatred, then we need to write that on there. We need to forgive ourselves and we need to get rid of that tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to bring an offering to the Lord that has to be pure. And so you have to check your heart about money stuff. Are you running off the things? When you give, 
Do you have things in your mind that, are, that you're struggling with concerning your giving? Mistrusts, trusts, doubts, unbeliefs concerning your giving. Be honest with yourself. Are you selfish? Are you always expecting people to give you a handout? Are you in the place of always looking for a blessing? Or are you in the place of where you've chosen to become a blessing? And if you're always looking for somebody to hand out and bless you and do for you, that is a poverty mindset. That's a beggar's mentality. You have to get rid of that tonight. I no longer want to look to people to help me. I'm choosing to become someone that helps other people. If you have a mountain of debt in your life, you're ready to break through that. You need God's help. If people owe you money or you owe people money, and it's a tense situation, especially between family members, you borrowed money from them. If you need a second card, we'll get an usher to hand you another one. Come on, we're doing business with God tonight, amen? We're looking to the Lord as our Savior, our shelter, our helper. He's going to break us through. He's a good God. And so we want to take a look at the year that we've come through. And if there's anything about the year that is trying to hold on to you to keep you back, something that has happened or something you've gone through, maybe you faced a trauma, maybe you've lost somebody, those are very hard moments. You know, life hits us hard sometimes. And um, it, it, it stuns us and it stops us. And so whatever that hit was that you took this year, you just got to write it down and say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. I need you to help me through what I've just been through because I, I, I want to I move forward, God. Thank you, Father. Father, as we're sitting and we're writing things down, Holy Spirit, I thank you right now. You're bringing people's faces before us that we need to forgive. Holy Spirit, you're showing us things that we need to deal with. Lord, you're showing us things we need to lay down, sin that we need to bring to the cross, issues that we need to face, things we've got to stop running away from. We're going to face our giants. If you have any giants in your life that you're afraid to face and overcome, write them down. We're going to trust that the Lord will give you the ability to overcome those things. Romans chapter 12, while you're writing, I'll read this to you. Family, this is you humbling yourself before God and saying, God, this is things I'm struggling with. This is areas I need help with. And if you'll just ask the Lord to come in and help you with these things, He's going to show up in your life. But you have to be honest. I thought I could hide from the Lord. There is nothing that you can hide from God. He sees everything. And He's waiting for you to just humble yourself and call out to Him so that He can be gracious to you.
In the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so the Lord wants us to put our lives on the altar as a living sacrifice. You're no good to God dead. He needs you alive, but choosing to put the things of the flesh down, to put the things of the past down, and to live for Him. That's a holy living sacrifice. Separated unto Him for good works. And you make a decision that my temple, my body will not be used as an instrument of sin or to do evil. I am giving my body to God, and He's going to use it for His plans and purposes. Can you say amen? Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. We're obligated to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. You've got to make a decision that from tonight forward, you will not do anything to bring harm to anyone else. That you will choose to only help people and bless people. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove dark deeds like dirty clothing and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Listen to me. There's people that say, well, sexual sin is the worst sin and it's pretty bad. But Jesus puts it right in there with quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in evil desires. We want to clothe. This is what we're getting ready to do this weekend. We're going to clothe ourselves with the presence of Jesus Christ. 
We're going to be clothed in the spirit of love. We're going to get clothed in the Holy Ghost. We're going to get clothed in power. Crowns of wisdom are going to be placed on our heads. Scepters of authority put in our hands. Signet rings. Yeah, I'm getting one of those this weekend. That's right, babe. An ambassador for God. So you got your stuff together? I want you to stand, and if the ushers could help me bring the crosses just down here to the... The podium can come up on the stage. It's fine. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to have Siobhan come, and we're going to worship a little bit. And then as you're ready, we're going to pray. Yeah, right there's good. We have tape. You're just going to come and you're going to tape your stuff to the cross. I was going to nail it, but it takes a long time. We'll be here till 2 a.m. And we want to get you back here by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. So we're going to give you a piece of tape. And as you come, this is an act of faith. You're coming up here. You're going to take your, your paper, your stuff, and you're going to tape it to the cross. And you're going to nail it there and you're going to leave it there. Can you say amen? So I want you to hold in your hand your paper, every single person, before we put them on the cross. We're going to pray tonight. And then once you get back to your seat, we're going to have communion, and we're going to wash the stuff away. Can you say amen? amen? We're starting a brand new day, a brand new season. We're walking through an open door. We're stepping into the wisdom of God for our lives for this next season. So from your heart, say this, say, Heavenly Father, I stand before you tonight, and I look at my life. I've done introspection, God. I've looked at my thoughts, my attitudes, the things I've said, things that I have done. I've looked at what others have said, what others have done. I've scanned my memory. And there's things, Lord, sounds, pictures, events, dates, faces, circumstances that I need to release tonight, God. I'm holding things on the inside that I don't want to carry anymore. I have burdens, God, that I want to release tonight. I've got struggles, Lord, that I don't know how to overcome. I'm putting my trust in things that are not you, Lord God. And tonight, Father, I choose to put my trust in you. And I ask you, Lord, to please forgive me for the things I've said, for the things that I have done that have been against your commands, that have been against your will, things that I have done to hurt others. Please forgive me, God. And I choose to forgive every person that has hurt me, used me, come against me in any way. And I completely release them 
and forgive them tonight. I even choose, Father, to forgive myself for the many mistakes that I've made repeatedly. The things I said I would never do again. And from this night forward, I will not hate myself or beat myself up because I'm made in the image of God. I want you to all repeat this after me, even though it might not apply, but we're just going to do it. Amen. Say, Heavenly Father, I renounce my trust in any other God or medium to tell me my future. I will not look to man, to superstitions, to cults, or other religions. I will only look to you. I abandon every other practice. I will not look to self-help books, the power of positive confession, tarot cards, mediums, psychics, fortune cookies, or any other thing that would attempt to tell me my future. You are the only one that holds my future in your heart. And I'm coming to you, Almighty God, and you alone. You are the source of my life. You are my future. You know that song, we got to sing that song. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, yeah. My life is, no, it's not that one. I'm going to get it. I know it. You're my future. You're my hope. That one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. There it is. Say, Lord, my future is in you. My life is in you, God. Now, before you come up here, right in your seat, I want you to just sit there and mutter. You know what mutter is? That's like under your breath. I want you to say, without telling the people next to you, the people you're forgiving, why you're forgiving them, what you're releasing. I want you to get it out of your mouth. I want you to look at your card and I want you to say, I'm releasing this tonight. I renounce this tonight. I'm forgiving this person tonight because of what they said to me. I'm, I'm letting that go. I will no longer be afraid. I want out of your mouth to say what you believe. I want you to speak to your mountain. Listen to me, family. Speak to it. And tell it it will no longer have control over your life. That what people have said and what people have done and what people have labeled you, that is not your label, that is not your identity, and you're no longer identifying with those things. I separate from sickness. Sickness is not my portion. The doctor might say you had this certain thing and you've accepted it and you carry it around like it's yours. But Jesus took stripes upon his back and you need to depart from that thing. It will no longer be a crutch in your life to try and get people to give you attention and all that. You're releasing that stuff tonight. Are you with me? 
We've been trained in America to run to the pharmaceutical company. And tonight's your night to break free from every pharmaceutical that is telling you that it's going to hold your life and sustain your life. Your life is held and sustained by Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. And we're going to trust Him for healing. We're going to trust Him for deliverance. We're going to trust Him for everything that we need. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I separate from everything. Everything, God, that I'm putting my trust in to sustain my life. And I declare that Jesus Christ is my life. Hallelujah. All right, as you're ready, come on up. Just tape these things to the cross. And as you do it, it's going to lift off you tonight. It's going to break off you tonight. I thank you for the power of God that's setting People free in here tonight, God. Lord, we're choosing to fear you above all things. We're choosing tonight, Lord, to honor you and to live a life that is pure and holy before you, God. And Father, I thank you that you're washing us, you're cleansing us, and you're stripping things from us, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. When your joy comes upon me, all that I can do is start dancing, dancing. Yeah, I feel like dancing, dancing. Yeah, I feel like singing, singing. When your peace overwhelms me, I have joy that's never ending. I'm singing, singing. There's nothing more precious than you. I can't help but lift up your name. You are the way, the truth.